Welcome everybody to Can Mayonnaise Kill a Jedi Podcast. I am your co-host Hannah. And I am your main host, the Artificial Dragon. And it is a really exciting day. Um, at the time of his recording, I just released the uh, Darth Revan episode. And we are recording on the exact same day we released an episode. So it's really exciting that we are... We're slowly <laughs> trying to get back into the groove of... Getting into the groove and getting uh, recurring episodes, and not just like one or two a month or something like that. Yeah. But again, life is life. Is life. life is life, and... Shit I'm, gets in the way. <laughs> like, we, exactly like we said make, last time, you went on vacation. I did, went on Hawaii. Um, very nice. Maybe I'll go back there sometime soon, but who knows? Um... But yeah, um, welcome to today's episode. Um, before we get into the main meat of this very secretive episode, um, so once again, thanks to the Patreons for donating to uh, allowing us to make episodes on fictional characters and factions and a fictional world that me and Hannah love. Um, and Hannah's starting to love anyway. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, uh, a huge thank you to all the subscribers that watch our channel, watch our videos, watch our content, all of that stuff. Um, I appreciate each and every one of you and thank you so much for supporting us through this over a year of Cam Manis Kill a Jedi podcast. Um, and I hope we could reach to two years. Um, let's see. Patreon stuff. So this month, as you guys know, um, our newest Patreon art piece is Count Dooku of Sereno himself just enjoying some Alderanian wine and just showing off his little assets, if you will. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, um, for any of you that love anything related to Christopher Lee, Count Dracula sort of thing, I'm pretty sure Count Dooku is right up your alley. But, uh, yeah, for our Patreon, you could support us on our Patreon. Um, our lowest tier is $2, and our highest is $10. And for the $10 tier, you'll get the uh, fan service Count Dooku and everything else that we have released thus far. But if you're not interested in fan service art pieces, then you could donate for $2. You'll still have access to our uh, Discord server, and just join the Discord server. Have a nice little chat with us and anybody else who loves the channel. Give and us suggestions. Yeah, give us some episode ideas. We really appreciate it. Or just throw in the occasional meme here and there. We're just here to have general fun. I mean, we like talking to you guys, especially you, Irk. Yep. Yep. We're not on that tier yet. <laughs> but yeah, um, we might do a higher tier or just the ten dollar tier where we do shout outs to all the lovely Patreons that donate to us. So thank you all very much for the time being. But anyway, with at oh yeah. So if you wanna go to our Patreon, it's patreon.com slash can mayo. Once again, it's patreon.com slash mayo. And we appreciate it's in the description, but just in case you can't find it, that's the web link. But anyway, um so, Hannah, you know very, very well what today's episode is going to be about. Oh, yes. We are talking about the Chiss. The Chiss. The lovely blue-skinned, red-eyed humanoid races of Star Wars. Not the Duros. Not the Duros, unfortunately. <laughs> That's another blue-skinned race we'll have to uh, dive into one of these days. Um, yes, we are talking about the Chiss. The yeah. Secret, the, the spies of... 
of Star Wars. I uh, I sometimes lovingly call them the James Bonds of Star Wars. Yeah, that's because, what they basically are. Or I guess you could do like uh, Jason Bourne or uh, fuck. 007. 007. Um, spies. Just the general spies that you see oh, in those Hollywood people. movies. But anyway, um, as usual, I'm going to give you a nice little quote that uh, explains the gist in a nutshell. By um, the new canon Fraun novelization. Okay. There are many stories and myths about the Chiss. Some are accurate. Others have been eroded by the twin forces of distance and time. But one fact has always remained constant. The Chiss must be approached from a position of strength and respect. One must have strength, for the Chiz will deal only with those capable of keeping their promises. One must have respect, for the Chiz must believe that those promises will be kept. There will be many cultural differences, and a warrior dealing with the Chiz must be wary of them. But never make the mistake of believing forbearance equates to acceptance, or that all positions are equally valid. There are things in the universe that are simply and purely evil. A warrior does not seek to understand them or to compromise with them. He seeks only to obliterate them. That's an interesting quote. Yep. Very, very poetic, but it does explain the chiss in a nutshell because they are, to put it simply, a very methodical, very... Um, practical race. Mm-hmm. But let me take you from... Okay. How do you feel about the Chiss without uh, knowing too much about our culture, Hannah? I mean, they're... They feel almost tyrannical sometimes, but... Yeah, I would have to learn more about them. Yeah, you don't know too much about yes. them, and that's kind of on purpose. If you're watching the Revan episode, yes, this is just like my knowledge of Revan. <laughs> wow, <laughs> yes. look, nothing! Yep, pretty much. Um, But yeah, like you said, you don't know too much on the Chiss, and that's kind of on purpose, because the Chiss are arguably one of the most secretive races in the entirety of the galaxy. They're very isolationist. Yeah. The only records we know of the Chiss are basically their aristocrats, their high-class Chiss, the, the, the leaders, the military, all that stuff. Like, there's no recorded, there's no recordings of their civilian populations, and if there is, nobody has lived to tell the tale or anything like that. Hmm. So we don't know the everyday life of a Chiss civilian. So they're very secretive, very isolationist. Very isolationist, and they kind of have this, I wouldn't... Kind of the classic elvish, high pompous, high class douchebag sort of feel to them. They got the douchebag personality. They got the douchebag personality, but it's not out of malevolence or anything like that. But I'll, I'll shut up about that and get into them. Um, so the Chiss, obviously, are a very tall, blue skinned, near human race that originate from the planet in the unknown region of a galaxy called Shilla. Nice. And Shilla is a pretty much like Hoth. It's an ice planet. Well, considering they're blue skinned, they probably adapt very quickly to gold. Yeah. Um. 
So Shilla is roughly around 11,080 kilometers across, making it slightly smaller than our Earth. Hmm. And it, it has normal gravity, like there's no high gravity, there's no low gravity, just normal as gravity. It's slightly smaller, and it's surrounded by free moons. And this is located in the unknown regions. Yeah, in the middle of buttfuck nowhere. Or, Where Zakul is. Yeah, near, near Zakul. Um, or as you like to call it, uh, the Munz Park of Star Wars. Yes, the unknown <laughs> region is the Munz Park of Star Wars. Yeah. So the it's Chis- way the fuck out there. Yeah. Uh, so interestingly enough, the Chiss themselves originated from human colonists that arrived in the unknown regions around 27,500 years before the Battle of Yavin. That's a long ass time ago. So yeah, the, the Chiss, the ancestry of the Chiss were originally normal, everyday humans. Hmm. And the, the reason why they were out in the Unknown Regions in the first place was because back in the day, um, humans didn't have normal space travel or hyperspace. They have these uh, craft called sleeper ships, which is basically your typical sci-fi ship where you get on board, go through sublight speeds and everything like that, and you have to sleep in cryopods because it's going to take a long ass time yeah, to get to like your destination. Yeah, that's what they did to Avatar. Yep, basically. And that... They kind of went to Shilla the old-fashioned way. We don't know um, necessarily the early days of these human colonists and what happened on Shilla when they arrived. But Shilla, assumingly, was a normal-ass world. But by the time these human colonists got there, it basically went into an ice age, a permanent ice age. And they had to uh, adapt. They, you know, went underground to you know, get warm and everything like that. Mm-hmm. And over just 27,000 years of evolution, they just, their skin being surrounded by the glaciers, the powder that comes from these glaciers are absorbed into their skin. And that's how they got their blue skin. Interesting. And uh, so a Chiss's lifespan is very similar to humans living up to 80 years of age. Though Chiss um, mature mature a lot quicker than normal humans. Like, so we have like one and a human is considered an adult by like 18 18. or 20. Round 18. Yeah. um, Here's the thing. Chiss children aren't considered adults until they are the age of 10. (laughs) Yeah, they mature really, really quickly. Dude, at the age of 10, I was still obsessed with horses, my little pony, and all the kitty shit. <laughs> what, the, what, what the fuck? I know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's kind of assumed that they're kind of uber smart, that they just mature a lot quicker, and they're like, I'm now 20, even though I'm 10. I guess so. Yeah. Yeah, it's Imagine uh, a child being more... Imagine a 10-year-old being more mature than... Than a, than a high schooler, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> What the fuck? By 10, they were able to use calculus and shit. Good lord. (laughs) And uh, they are considered middle age between the ages of 51 and 62. That's around middle aged in human standard. And those aged from 63 to 79 are considered old. (laughs) And 
if I remember correctly, Fron was like in his 60s, so he's still middle-aged by then. Okay. Yeah, by the time he died by, uh, you know. In legend standards. In legend standards. Um, and the typical height of the chis are around 5 feet 3 inches to 6 foot 9 feet. Okay, so average human range. Mm-hmm. Pretty average because, you know, their ancestors were human, so not much change there except that uh, little growth spurt in the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, their typical skin color, contrary to popular belief, not all chis have a blue skin color. Oh. They range from blue to silver skin. Silver? Yeah, silver. Ooh. Very exotic looking. I, I'm i sure there are images out there of silver skin chis, but as far as I can tell in my research, I can't find any. I need to check the... Svator character yeah, yeah. creation. See if I could do that. <laughs> and their hair color is mainly black. A bluish hue of black. Yeah, it's like the highlights in it are bluish. Yeah. But there are some individuals that have gray hair, which is basically a good indication of the children that come from those individuals are especially exceptional. Oh. Interesting. So yeah, a literal silver fox. Now you see why I like silver foxes. <laughs> And the eyesight of a chis is slightly better than humans, for they could see in the infrared range. That's pretty cool. And their hearing is said to be sharper, and their reflexes are better and faster than normal humans. Now you see why everybody makes a chis imperial agent. (laughs) Yeah, they could... Well, okay, not superior to humans, just slightly better. I assume like peak human, just like peak human. Yeah. Like, they could probably hear a uh, pen drop from across the room or something. Yeah. Not completely superhuman, but still pretty good. And let's see. Uh, it is better than you or I. Yeah, pretty much. Um, and as you know before from Swator, force sensitivity among the Chiss is incredibly rare and manifests in limited abilities. And with said, force sensitives are almost always female. That is in canon in yep. legends as Vator, for sensitivity is looked down upon yeah they are seen as impure deviants and they just get exiled into wider galaxy yes. <laughs> but in canon they're kind of a little bit different yeah because the four sensitives in canon uh they're okay i'll get more into them later but uh where was i um though as they grow older these four sensitives um their abilities in the forest kind of diminish over time until they're just gone completely. Yeah, that sounds sounds pretty accurate to force sensitives in general. Yeah, but it's just with the chis, especially since they're a species that are just far away from the core of a galaxy. It's just it's like like one out of a hundred or something. Oh, so they're That's, very rare. They're incredibly rare. Okay. Yeah. Um. As such, uh, in canon anyway, as such, Force-sensitive children are one of the Chiss's most well-kept secrets, for they serve the purpose of being navigators for their ships and everything. Oh, that's pretty cool. So yeah, um, in the normal galaxy, you could just go across and, you know, through hyperspace, and you have, like, navigational computers, astromech units to help you along, but Chiss, they don't have any of that shit, so they have to depend on the for sensitive children to guide them along the okay. seas of the of the uh, space, the void. So chis technology isn't as advanced as the. Uh... It's the most advanced in the unknown regions, but compared to the rest of the galaxy, not really. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, the 
And these children within the Chis language are called the Osli. Um, and I apologize for You're butchering totally this, this. <laughs> butchering this <laughs> fictional language. So I'm not going. I hope I don't get too much heat for this. Uh, they're called the Osli Azamibo, or in their language, it's tra- translated to Skywalker. <laughs> I that that's one of the things I really like about the new canon novels, like uh. So, without giving away too much spoilers, uh, Grand Admiral Thrawn and Darth Vader are investigating this disturbance out in the Unknown Regions, and, uh, there's this one funny moment. So, throughout the entire novel, um, so on a previous occasion, Thrawn was kind of buddies with Skywalker when they were on a mission together. Obviously, Vader's no longer Skywalker, but Thrawn kind of has the suspicion that Vader and Anakin are one and the same, and he's kind of like teasing him and reminiscing on old memories. They're like, "Oh, this is where da 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 da," and I went here. Oh, those were f fun times. And Vader keeps on reminding him, "Anakin is gone." This is the first interaction we had together, and Franz like, eh, "If you say so." <laughs> and there's this, like, yeah, you're bullshitting me. Yeah, and there's this one funny moment where they're on this chis ship and. Uh, Thrawn is kind of telling Vader, hey, go into this device. That way we could figure out what the fuck is going on or whatever the fuck they were doing. Mm -hmm. And Vader kind of goes in and as he's, you know, strapping himself into this device, Thrawn was kind of like doing small talk. And he's like, hey, Vader, you want to know what we call the Force users in my language? And Vader's like, I don't fucking care. Shut the fuck up. And Thrawn was all like, da 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 aka skywalker and because vader is in that device he's admitting he's a skywalker he's like you motherfucker (laughs) (laughs) just input the the smug thrawn yeah (laughs) and like every single time vader you motherfucker you you motherfucker and every single time that uh thrawn kind of trolled him vader would scan his emotions through the force and it's always fucking neutral and it pissed him off so much. <laughs> Fron is Fron is one of those people that could tell a knock knock joke with a straight face. He could tell a knock knock joke with a straight face. He could probably tell any joke stone cold. Yeah, he's like knock knock. <laughs> Does he even laugh? I I don't think so. I mean, he <laughs> has a sense of humor because you know he's throwing the fuck out of Vader, but I don't think he's ever laughed. As far as I know, anyway. I mean, we definitely see him in canon, at least, get pissed off. Oh, yeah, absolutely. We when... see him get bad, but we don't. We never see him laugh. Yeah, one of that fucking guy, uh, that Imperial guy, was all like, we should smash that Calicorian. He's like, you son of a bitch, what did you just say? <laughs> <laughs> Fraun is awesome sometimes. Yes, he is. He is one of a, one of a few things that I appreciate Disney reintroducing into canon. Yes. He is fucking awesome. Thank you, Disney Overlords. Looking forward to uh, how he's portrayed in the Ahsoka TV show. Anyway, semantics. Um, yes, Skywalkers. The Skywalkers. So in Chiz society, their perspective on the Force, they call the Force the Sight. Okay. And Is that where you got the inspiration? Yeah. <laughs> Con- context needed, but we're not divulging. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it manifests in several ways, like with precognition, it's called third sight, uh, telepathy is second sight. And I assume like first sight is like telekinesis and shit. Probably. Yeah. 
Um, however, there have been cases of Force-sensitive chists in the larger Star Wars galaxy keeping their Force abilities as they grow older, probably because they're, you know, learning more about the Force from the Jedi and whatever. Probably. Yeah. Um, so that's enough about their homeworld and their biology. Let's talk a little bit about their culture. The most complex thing about the Chiss. This gave me a headache when I was trying to read it even before we even thought of this episode. Yeah, yeah. This shit is complicated. Yeah, I told you, like, I have, like, three fucking pages in my notes of just Chiss culture in general. Strap yourselves in, everybody. Yeah, just like with a Revan episode, pack a lunch, because we're going... Not completely in-depth. There are some details that I'm probably going to leave out because I don't have the time or the mental capacity to explain it. But I'm going to do my fucking best. But be prepared with a lunch and plenty of coffee. I know I will. (laughs) Um, So the Chiss, as I mentioned in the beginning of the episode, are arguably one of the most secretive societies in all of the Star Wars galaxy. Like, we don't know shit about their civilian lives. The only information we get is, like, from their higher class. They're aristocrats. They're military. That sort of shit. So, the things I'm going to share with you are from those guys. Yeah. Um, Because that's all we know. Yep. Um, Their military and... Okay. Um... Their society is highly structured and made up of several ruling families. They're called the Aristocrata, otherwise called the Ruling Circle. And I think I mentioned this in a Fraun episode, but there could be like multiple ruling families from like 12 to the smallest being three at a time, I believe. Yeah. And in the current timeline of Star Wars, like, you know, uh, original sequel. um, Canon. Canon. They're like (laughs) five ruling families and everything um they aren't necessarily a biological family they are essentially different branches of the ascendancy by the way the 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 name of their government is the chiss ascendancy if that's not clear enough (laughs) their logo is really cool though i gotta send that through the uh, chat real quickly um there we go it kind of looks like uh you know those uh those uh globes that contains plasma and everything oh yeah i was just about to say the plasma globe yeah it reminds me of that it looks really cool it's interesting yeah um but anyway enough about their their uh, aesthetics and everything um where was i so each family isn't a biological family per se it's think of them more like houses yeah like noble houses noble houses yeah um and each of them are qualified as different branches of a mil uh, not military branches of a government like like uh the military uh uh finances that sort of thing like each family controls one other thing yeah like for example house chespella are responsible for colonial affairs agriculture and distribution of natural resources okay and the most famous one house narodu which is the one that fron was a part of um, is the one that's responsible for foreign policy and military affairs. So this is like the military branch and everything. No wonder he fit right in. Yep. Um, and it's kind of the interesting thing. Each house, um, they're not exactly easy to get into unless you're born into it. For the Naradu house, since it's basically the military, any chis can join it. No. Okay. So... In a way. That kind of makes a lot more sense. Yeah. That's how, uh, that's how, uh, Fraun was able to get from becoming a commoner to a member of a noble house. Yeah. 
That's cool. Yeah, it's very cool. Um, let's see. So, every Chiss claimed affiliation with a family determined by both tradition and place of birth. Oh, there are different types of ranking within a house, depending on the position for the individual. For example, there's the merit adoptive, mm-hmm. which is a chiz that originates from a lesser family that becomes that a part of that ruling family. By, Example, Thrawn. Yeah. By uh, adoption based on their own skills or merits. The trial-born are the chiz that are part of the military, but have the opportunity to return to their families if they so choose. So... Think of like a uh, enlisted soldier or something like that. Okay. Um, then, uh, then above the trial born. Okay, so though when a trial born proves themselves further by reaching, you know, more merits and proving themselves further, they go to the next rank, which is called the ranking distant, which ensures that the bloodline of that particular chis is incorporated into the ruling family. Oh, that's cool. So yeah, if you prove yourself, then you become a permanent fixture of that ruling house. Nice. Yeah, it's very intricate and kind of simple to explain now that I'm saying it out loud. It it seemed a lot more complex when I was doing things in my head. It sounds a lot more complex. It is, but there's probably more in depth on that. But based on my research that I was reading and typing out, that's it makes a lot more sense. Yeah, just a bit. Yeah. Um, let's see. And then below the ruling families, uh, there is the syndicare, which serves as the legislative and executive body of the ascendancy. Mm-hmm. And then below those guys are the Chis military, which consists of both the Chis defense force and the Chis expansionary defense fleet. And then, uh, I already told about the houses. And then below those guys are the parliament. Okay. So they kind of have... This is a very big government. It is a fairly big government. And the parliament is made up of representatives from each 28 Chiss colony world. So yeah, they... If it isn't clear enough already, the Chiss are are minuscule compared to every other culture in the entirety of the galaxy. Oh, yeah. Like 28 worlds compared to the millions of worlds that the Republic has. And that's just a... Say... Take uh, Shali. Yep. They have a culture of their own, not mm-hmm. just the widespread culture of the said galaxy. Yep. That compared to the Chis ascendancy, holy fuck. Yep. Um. Let's see. And then uh, da, 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 da. the representatives within the parliament are, ironically enough, despite there being you know the ruling families and noble houses, they are elected democratically. Vote. Vo- each representative has their own democratically elected representative from each colony world. Hmm. So they're kind of a democracy, but a no a monarchy, sort of speak. I wouldn't even say it was a monarchy, like a almost in the span of like a duchy, almost. Almost a duchy, you mean? Whatever. <laughs> you know, like they're it's almost like a royal kind of thing, but not. Yeah. It's strange. It's a strange uh, way to structure society. Yeah. Or the government. But considering one of their noble houses is a part of the military, I almost consider it a military junta almost. I could see that a bit, but they're not all just focused on military. Yeah, that is very true. Um, Let me see. Uh, 
This is this is the end of the confusing part. <laughs> it is, it is. Uh so Sova Parliament are picked elective are elected. Elected democratically. While the cabinet, which are like the uh, representatives or anything like that, are selected by the ruling families. And they could are ultimate so the cabinet are ultimately the ones who take the votes and they like give a go ahead if this bill goes through or not. So it's like our our Congress. A little bit, yeah. Just a little bit, but with the chis, who are secretive douchebags. Jesus, who must... Commoners must be, like, the lowest on the low. Yeah. Um, we don't know too... As I, I mentioned wish multiple we knew times, more. yeah. I wish we knew more. But that's the thing with the chis. They don't want us to know more about their society. God damn it. <laughs> but anyway, um, so... And the Chiz military is a serious and disciplined, uh, while almost operating at a cautious and methodical capacity. They're like, I believe, the strongest force militarily in the unknown region. But again, compared to the rest of the galaxy, they're minuscule. And they just stay within their own borders. I mean, compared to Zakul. Compared to Zakul. Yep. Yeah, they're tiny. That being said, throughout their entire history, the Chiss have never engaged in open warfare. Smart. As they, you know, prefer subterfuge and sabotage than open warfare and everything. Because they they are much more practical than the Sith who are like, we need to kill everybody, die, die, die. Yeah, it's more manipulation, working behind the scenes and everything. Though, um... Even though they haven't in exactly engaged in open warfare, if somebody as so much as attack their borders, then they will go all out to ensure that they are destroyed. Yes, we we explained that in the Thrawn episode. Yep, exactly. Um, so the Chiss as a race are, as I mentioned multiple times, are viewed as a secretive, ignorant, and calculative race and this mostly stems from the galaxy knowing their most famous member which is Thrawn. there are other other members yep. we won't mention them don't worry at the near the end of the episode but even by his chis standards Thrawn is basically the exception not all of them have the iq of 500 or something like yeah. that yeah but they are pretty smart they're very smart yeah like like i mentioned before a chis kind of has to go through a lot of education and they're reach maturity by 10. So that's pretty goddamn impressive. They're already geniuses by 10. Yeah. Duh. Um, let's see. Um, as with any races, the Chiss have a large amount of varying personalities. That's um, hard to believe. Yeah. But they all share the common trait of being highly educated and cautious with everything. Um, whenever they interact with an outsider, they are seen as calm and very polite. Just like, uh, you know, your, I wouldn't say your average Brit, but and any noble. I any would. decent fucking person. Any decent fucking person. <laughs> there we go. Um, they kind of, due to their polite and very arrogant personality, they kind of radiate this aura of respect and fear, like... You don't know what's going on in the mind of a chiss. They're just a brick wall. Like, what the fuck is he thinking? Is he looking to murder me? Is he actually wanting to be my friend? What the fuck is going on in his head? 
Though due to the harsh conditions of Shilla, the Chiz are encouraged to be self-reliant and are characterized by outsiders to be just as cold as their homeworld. Okay. Yeah, so... Um, yeah, those, sounds like it. Yeah. Well, this can be also due to the fact that the Chiz value their privacy, which is how their society has been a huge unknown to the entire galaxy for so long. I could see it being, like... If you're open and warm to someone, that invites them to be more invasive. So yeah. I could see how any outsider would be regarded as, you know, kept or kept at arm's length. Yeah. Maybe it, even more than that. I picture each chest to be like one of those YouTubers that never shows their face at all. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, <laughs> they're just like, okay, you know my personality, but you don't know the real me, that sort of thing. Yeah. Like, I appreciate my privacy. I don't want everybody putting their nose in every my everyday life, that sort of thing. Um, let's see. Each Chiz is a highly disciplined individual who sees self-control and prosperity as a valued character trait, while seeing concepts like passion with disdain, as such energy could be put into something else much more practical. Do they not have passion for fighting? No, they they approach it with a very calm and collective mentality, so to speak. They have a very um, utilitarian approach with life. Like, okay, eat. I don't have any need for luxurious foods. I don't need... Well, okay, with, with the exception of the nobles, because they're high and toity. But they Imagine have a very... ADHD in chess society. Oh god, that would fucking suck. <laughs> Like, I could imagine the average sex life of a chiz being very casual, like, eh, okay, we got a child now. I could see if... Whoa, Jesus. <laughs> oh, good lord. Yeah, the only thing a chiz would ever care about in life is their position. Because, like, with Grand Admiral Fraun, you're more like... He's more likely to respond to Grand Admiral than his actual name. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. So it's like not even personal relations even matter to them. It's, it's not like the Chiz don't care about personal relationships. I think Fraun is pretty close with his brother, who's a diplomat, so to speak. Okay. Like, okay, that Van Diesel meme of you gotta be there for family. They <laughs> obviously care about their noble houses. They care about their everyday people, that just, sort of thing. they don't show it hourly. They're I like guess. the... Uh, that fucking anime meme with a girl who, uh, the Sondere, I think it's called. Sondere? Sondere, where outward they're very cold, but deep down they are really sweet. Okay. Just a little bit, but not every chiss is like that, but they commonly just don't show their emotions because when you're spies, you gotta be pretty good at hiding your emotions. Oh, yeah. Yeah, especially... If I remember in the new canon, Fraun, instead of being an exile, he is an undercover agent working with the Empire for the interests of a Chiss. That makes a lot more sense than him being exiled. Yeah, but it's kind of different in both canon. I've, I like the intrigue that he's ultimately working for his people, but he's trying to prevent the Empire from finding out about this and calling him a traitor, so to speak. Yeah, but that's what spies do. Yeah, very true. Um, a little bit of a, uh, spoiler for the new canon comic, uh, not canon comics, uh, canon novels, but I need to get around to reading the, uh, Fraun trilogy one of these days. I got the first one. I've only 
got his. Uh, it's just oh boy. Yeah. Um. Interestingly enough, though, they they are so in. They see passion with disdain that they even see crime itself as abhorrent and a weakness of the individual. Wow. And the reason of of the criminal blaming society for is completely alien to them. Wow. Because it's more it's <laughs> more like our, oh you're <laughs> compared sorry. to our society, holy shit, chis stand out like they I want to say alien, but obviously they are alien, but this is like, <laughs> this is Very the, alien, the, yeah. the word alien. Mm-hmm. This is alien. This is not normal person by our standards. Yeah, so like for a chiz, if one of our citizens commits crime, they see that as a fault of the individual, not the fault of the system that caused them to do a crime. Only our system was like the chiz. If only, yeah. Um... Justice in Chiss society is delivered with little to no compassion. Yeah. They are very utilitarian like that. Though they do not believe in capital punishment, seen, viewing it as irrational and emotionally driven. Okay. Instead, their greatest punishment for any wrongdoers, exile. <laughs> Steal a piece of candy, you're exiled. <laughs> Pretty much. Um... Each shiz within their society is expected to put in as much as they give. So, like, each citizen, from the highest of noble houses to the lowest civilian, you get what you put in. Makes Not sense. to, like, uh, take advantage of the system. Stuff like that. There are many exam- real-life examples I can oh, say, yeah, but I'm not totally. going to dive into that. No, no, no. But compared to our society, that's got to be, like, a... Uh, I wouldn't exactly say utopia, but better, so to speak. A bit. Yeah. What's a... I forgive a fucking word, but... uh, It's more of... Chiss society is very merit-based. Oh, yeah. Instead of... uh, Where you're just born into power and just given power. Yeah. That that sounds very nice. It is very nice, but considering this is a chiss... Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Let me see. Uh, oh, yeah. Here's an interesting one. Suicide is also a very huge aversion to the Chiz. As each, they see each soldier as not expendable. Because there are very few Chiz within their society. And they value every single Chiz in the galaxy. Awesome government. The government loves you. That's great. Yeah, so if you're a, a soldier within the Chiz military, don't expect them to send you on suicide missions. That's fucking awesome. Yeah. Though, um, it's also kind of interesting because even though suicide is kind of seen as a huge taboo, nothing's stopping a Chiz from willingly sacrificing themselves as it results in... Uh, you know, saving the Chiss ascendancy. So heroic sacrifice is fine. Suicide itself is not. Yeah, because suicide with a uh, particularly skilled soldier is seen as wasteful. I can see that. One of the reasons why Fron values stormtroopers that much and any soldier on the front lines. Considering the fandom mainly sees them as cannon fodder as well, mm-hmm. that's pretty cool. It is pretty cool. And that's what makes Fron such a cool cool commander within the imperial military oh yeah i wouldn't mind having him as a 
you know, commanding officer. And also why he kills people who don't exactly um, prove themselves that well. Yeah. That, that is why he's a villain. <laughs> yeah. But still a very honorable villain. Yes. Um, let's see. While the Chiz radiate this aura of calm, they still retain a high amount of xenophobia. Which is, you know, left over from their ancestors who have to depend on themselves and, you know, live in such a harsh environment on Shilla. Yep. Um, like, for the Chiz, they see every other race in the entirety of the galaxy as basically children. And they are like the dawning parent that has to rattle them along and everything. That's an interesting way to look at it. Yeah, they see themselves as superior to everybody else. Okay. I mean, wow. it's not to the fact where they're, hey, we're superior to you, right to their face. It's more of a, hey, hey, um, maybe you should listen to our advices. That way you could be better sort of thing. It's not like they want to enslave everybody like the They Empire don't want to dominate the entire galaxy. They just want to be like, they want to nudge you in the right direction. They see themselves as the parent that has to, you know, wave the children back into order and everything. Okay. Like, there's this common meme where Fran is talking to one of his superiors, and he's like, do we have to let them do this? And he just looks over his shoulder to see Palpatine and Vader just, just riding the, the, a, a roller coaster that is the Death Star. <laughs> and his superior is all like, yes, just let them play with their toys for now. That's funny. <laughs> so yeah, by Fran's perspective, Darth Vader and Sidious are like children. <laughs> Even though both of them could easily kill his ass. Yeah, but he's smarter. He is smarter, but... He knows how to play them. Yeah, exactly. He's the chess master, and they're like his little pawns. He just needs to play his cards just right, otherwise they'll kill his ass. But Palpatine... <laughs> Palpatine thinks he's the grandmaster. No, no, it's Thrawn. He's playing chess and poker at the same fucking time. Yeah. <laughs> um... Well, interestingly enough, if a non-Shiz wanted to join the Ascendancy, it... So, you know how, like, Darth Maug is and Darth... What's his face again? Uh, that, that Sif Chad character that led the Empire for a little bit before he got killed by, uh, this shit? Mar. Darth Mar. Mar. Darth Mar. I keep on forgetting his fucking name for some reason. You know Everybody how, Everybody like, does call him a Chad, though. Yeah. Um... But yes, Darth Mar. Yeah. Darth Mar and Malgus are one of the few Sith that actually don't care if you're human, alien, as long as you do your fucking job, then we'll accept you, that sort of thing. That's why my character got along with Darth Knox. Yeah. Or Darth Mar. Yeah. Um, the Chiz are kind of the same way. Like, if a alien race, like, for example, a human or something like that, approaches them and wants to become part of their military, um, they'll accept at first, but they'll treat them as an outsider until they prove themselves. Makes sense. Yeah. Because, Especially in a society based on merit. Yeah, exactly. And why the fuck, if this guy is valuable, why the fuck would you turn him away? Yeah. Regardless of his race. Yeah. Yeah, they're, they're very xenophobic. They're just accepting as the Mandalorians. Yeah. They're very xenophobic, but they're very practical on top of that. Makes sense. And like, over time, they'll probably accept you as a chiss. Eventually. Yeah, a, honor a, uh, a honorary chiss is what I meant to say. Um, let's see. I believe that happens in the, like, aftermath when Thrawn comes back into the main galaxy. Mm -hmm. Eli Vanto is basically referred to his chiss name. 
the, the crew refers to him as his chiss name. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's like Eli Vento or something. Okay. It's structured differently. Yeah, it is very structured differently. Fortunately, I'm not on the chiss naming conventions just yet, but I'm dreading when I have to go to that. This is going to suck. But we're still in the culture and everything. Um, You're right. This culture is long. It is very, very long. Um, they also exude this sense of honor, for they do not want to kill more people than what is necessary to achieve their goals. Which is also one of the reasons why Fron didn't want to outright, you know, destroy the outbound flight, which was filled with colonists and civilians and everything like that. Um, though, despite that, they have been known to utilize bioweapons, such as the defoliators, radiation, and parasite bombs, to quickly kill any opponent that stands in their way. Um, or at the very least, destroy their food supply chain to starve them out a little bit. Yeah, that's smart. Yeah. But one of their most famous characteristics is their refusal to invade the territories of other races or even wage war in general. To the point that even a tactically sound preemptive strike is seen as taboo. Hmm. Rather, they respond only when the opponent attacks them first, which essentially guarantees that their that their retaliation is justified. It is also, um... <laughs> it is almost impossible to anger a Chiss in any way. Except with Ron, when, uh, you know, that asshole Imperial guy decided to talk about destroying art. Yep. <laughs> but yeah, um... They, the Chiss prefer to act when all factors have been taken into account. Though they will engage in war, they are absolutely ruthless until their enemy is completely destroyed or subjugated. Damn. Yeah. Currently, uh, here's another interesting tidbit. Currency doesn't exist within the Chiss ascendancy, as the needs for each Chiss civilian is provided to them by the state. Wow. So, Holy shit, I want to live in the Chiss ascendancy. <laughs> How do I become part of the ascendancy? <laughs> Blue skin, the supremacy for the win. <laughs> How do I become part of the ascendancy? Please. Yeah. Um. And like the reason why they don't expand into nearby habitable worlds is not out of a sense of adventure or even to dominate. Um, because, you know, they see passion as taboo and everything. Yeah. Um, but out of practical reasons and are governed by the basic need to manage their population and utilize their resources without upsetting their world's ecosystem. So on top of being merit-based, they are also um, green-friendly. Green-friendly what? Uh, economically friendly. Like they don't do massive uh production work or put toxic liquid into the waters for production and everything take notes america <laughs> basically each chis citizen has their needs met like food transportation awesome. the facilities all that sort of stuff so the um, society sets you up not to fail yeah it's just uh, if you want to put in as much as you can give then you get to climb up the ranks and everything. Yeah, but everything is provided for you, so you can do that. Yeah. Mental health there must be great. Fuck, healthcare must be pretty good down there. It's like the Canada of space. Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> I want to join the Chiss Ascendancy, please. If only we knew more about its civilian population, though. I know, right? Yeah. 
Um, let's see. Uh, though it is also theorized that across the 28 worlds within the Chiz space, their population is nearly 5 trillion. Holy shit. Which, in the span of the Star Wars galaxy, is incredibly small. Because I think Coruscant has a total population of 4 trillion? Wow. Yeah. But still, that's... Compared compare to the, the world... Our current our world, Our right. world, Earth. The population is only 7 million people. Yeah. 7 billion people. Mm-hmm. 7 point something, I believe. But that's... That's big compared to us. That is big compared to us. But again, in the span, in the context of a Star Wars universe, very minuscule. I suppose. Yeah. Um, so going on from that, the clothing of a Chiss society is very ornate and holds distinctive colors depending on which house the individual is from. So like maybe Blue House is from House Naruto, the military side and everything. Okay. Um... Well, all military personnel wear black uniforms, that is, as it is a combination of all colors. Makes sense. Yeah. Um, symbolizing that it drew from all personnel from across all the families. Nice. Yeah. Um, chis that serve in the military for a long period of time often wear red piping on their black uniform to embody the race's representation of a red flame. The ideal state of perfection... Um, the red flame represents cunning, courage, discipline, and a state of preparedness. Ooh, that's cool. Yeah, and higher rank chists have, like, pure white uniforms because they've been around for so long. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now we go into the chis language. Oh, fuck. <laughs> Wish is, us luck. Yeah. Um, the language of a chis is called, uh, let's, I'm gonna absolutely book this. Um, Shona? Shena? Whatever. It's spelled C-H-E-U-N-H. I believe it's called Chinna. Chinna. Chinna, yeah. Um, so Chinna is described... We're, we're both going to butcher these pronunciations. Yeah, absolutely. We're sorry. Absolutely. Uh, Chinna is described as a dense and difficult synthetic language to master as complicated ideas were expressed by uniting unrelated words into larger words. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, it is very... It, their language is as complex as their culture. <laughs> <laughs> Bandua is easier to learn. Yeah. Klingon is easier to learn. Yeah. The written script of Shuna didn't have an alphabet, but instead ideograms that represent concepts and complex ideas. Uh, they were expressed by combining similar ideograms. Think of ancient Egypt. Okay, like hieroglyphics. Yeah, exactly that. Okay. Um. So at least that is a little bit easier to understand, but... As I said. Not not much. Not by much. A little bit. So, yeah. This is where I attempt to speak their language and translate it for you. Good luck. So, one example is Krajstieter, which is commander. Poskabferian, fishing boat. Skookieta, doctor. And Katosh, which is a curse word. (laughs) It's probably Tina for fuck. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> Most races of Remembiches saw it as overtly complex, obviously. No shit! Uh, <laughs> well, but saw it as practical and simple. Of course they did. <laughs> Though some phrases in Shuna are highly idiomatic, such as... Oh, I'm going to butcher this one. Uh, Projective Melchian Translating to fair-haired, implying that 
Something about the person was nonchalant and fuzz barbarous. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, like, those words. You're not a chiz. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Here we go to the chiz naming conventions. Oh, boy. So, it's not overly complex. It's just different parts of their society combined into their names. So, the chiz naming conventions basically mix their family name, their personal name, and their occupation, clan, or second family name. Like, for example, Franz family, uh, Franz, uh, chis name is Mithra-Neradu, as he comes from the house Myth, and has an occupation within the military which counts as his family name, or house Neradu, and Ra is just his personal name. Okay. Though, to make it easier for non-chis to, you know, work with... They just narrow it down to their core names, which includes bits and pieces of both names, which is how Fron was made. That's how he made my character's name. Yep. Though senior Chiz military officers often surrender their family name to assume a high position like an admiral or general. So essentially they're like, it's, it's, a, it's a literal uh, married to the job sort of concept. Sounds like it. Yeah. Um, which I think is pretty interesting in my opinion. Well, considering that society provides for you and doesn't let you fail, I can see why. Mm-hmm. All right. Now, let's talk a little bit about the Chiss technology. So, the Chiss... They don't have hyperspace tech. Well, they kind of do. It's just that uh, it's not as great as other hyperspace technology in the wider galaxy. It's not like they have subspace engines or anything okay. like that. Um, so... As I mentioned before, Chiss technology is the most advanced within the Unknown Regions and perhaps rivals some technology in the wider galaxy, but their technology is notable for being independently made from other civilizations. So they came up with the shit on their own. They didn't take inspiration from Verkata or something like that. Okay. Yeah. That's um, where most of the known galaxy got their shit from. Yeah, because of Verkata, because... I will eventually go into the Ricotta in their own episode, but... The Ricotta deserve their own episode. Oh, yeah. They are, at some points, simple, other times complex. Like, they took many slaves from across the galaxy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, since they live within the Unknown Regions, Chiz require multiple navigational anchor points to help them navigate through the barren parts of space. So, imagine, uh, like, these navigation buoys as, like, lighthouses okay. in space. It just help. It just makes it easier for them to navigate without crashing into a star or something. Makes sense. Yeah. Um, let's see. As following Chisful philosophy, their spacecraft are more streamlined and practical. The blueprints of their manufacturing designs are secretive to the wider galaxy. Very common for the Chiss. They don't exactly share technology of a wider galaxy. Yep. Except when Fron's involved. You Ex know, that sort of thing. Yeah, that's, that was the only exception. Yeah. Um, and most of Chiss structures, such as buildings and space stations, are very angular in design, inspired by the pointy glaciers on Shilla. Hmm. Um, so the Chiss have very... Okay. They have advanced hyperdrives, but... As I mentioned before, they don't compare with the rest in the wider galaxy. They're just quite precise. And it's even said that the occupants of a Chiss craft barely recognize when their vessel has entered into hyperspace. It's oh. just instantaneous. Okay. Um, though, 
what they lack is navi computers like i mentioned they need those buoys to help them and the force sensitive children to help them you know navigate for space and everything um much like the rest of the unknown region droids are an alien concept for them so they do not have droids they do not have droids well okay in recent times they are starting to adapt to droid technology but they aliens are not aliens uh droids are completely alien to them like what the fuck is that yeah and though interestingly enough they do have automated drones that you know navigate through their areas of space to uh find any sort of resource or anything like that but that's basically the extent not true droid technology okay um let's see one of the chiss's more well-known craft in recent years is vanessa's class claw craft and i will send you a picture of that imagine it uh, they basically took the tie fighter and approved upon it with new wings they gave it a thicker hull they actually gave the damn thing a hyperdrive okay and they, it's like uh, an X-Wing. Yeah, it's pretty much like an X-Wing. And they just... There's this quote I remember reading where an Imperial Admiral basically said, Say what you will about the Chiss stealing our technology. They improved upon it. That's surprising. It is very surprising. Uh, let's see. And the Chiss... In, like, in the wider galaxy, we have blasters which fire plasma and everything. The Chiss don't exactly have blasters. They have kind of a... Uh, I wouldn't say a primitive version, more of a downgrade version called uh, Carrick, which is sometimes described as a blue bleep, a, a <laughs> blue beam or a maser, which is kind of like a, a electric gun, sort of. Okay. And it comes in all different shapes and sizes, from as small as a pistol to capital-grade weapons called mega masers. Hmm. And there are foot soldiers... Uh, even, they have fairly advanced technology with their soldiers. For example, they come equipped with chameleon-like armor, which allows them to blend into the landscape. That's cool. Yeah, so, yeah. They you want a lot into their military. Yeah, they put a lot of good thought into their military. They're more of a, a cloak and dagger sort of force instead of brute force, destroy everything sort of force. To me, that's better. It is a lot better, yeah. Um... Let's see, uh, okay, this is where we come to the fun part, Hannah. For such a secretive race, there are many known members of a Chiz that wander into the wider galaxy. Um, Fron being a prominent example. Aristocrat Sagani. <laughs> yeah, um, let's see. Um, so it's kind of the assumption, for, so for such a secretive race, uh, it's not like the everyday civilian is just just casually being sent into the wider galaxy because they probably prefer to stay in their own borders yeah. than the, ironically, the large unknown that is the wider Star Wars galaxy. Yeah. So it's kind of assumed that undercover agents or just exiles are just sent into the wider galaxy. So a majority of Chists are generally assumed to be undercover agents, just going into every single aspect of galactic society and you know send their intelligence back to the chis ascendancy makes sense yeah um so fron is a prominent example as i said before but let's go through some notable ones that i found both interesting and funny we'll go into those okay. <laughs> so you probably heard me mention severus tan a couple of times possibly 
um, most prominently in the Grievous episode, she is the predecessor to Grievous before he became Supreme Commander. Okay. So Severus Tan, she's kind of an interesting character. I'll send you a picture of her. Oh yeah, her. she was Dooku's apprentice. Wasn't yeah, she was one of Dooku's apprentices. Um, so Severus Tan, um, she was also the leader of Dooku's Dark Acolytes, who are like the Dark Disciples. They're not Sith in a sense; they're more like Dark Jedi than anything else. Okay. And while the reason why she left the Chiss Ascendancy to join the Separatists is still up to debate by scholars, um, what we do know about her before she joined uh, the Separatists is that she was a ruthless Chiss commander within the Chiss military. And there's this <laughs> kind of a funny story. Um, when she was a cadet, one of her professors tasked her with an objective to train this group of aliens called the uh, Yasiloni, who are... Said to be impossible to train. Hmm. Obviously a sort of test, but uh, she kind of went about this in a very interesting way. So she went about this by selecting one individual that was smarter than the rest of the aliens. And she picked that individual as her general, so to speak. Okay. And, you know, she's trying to train this individual like, hey, I want you to do complex military strategies, that sort of thing. But... The alien just laughs at her. And how does she respond to this? She puts the general in front of his soldiers and executes him in front of them. Makes sense. And then she picked another one as the general. And this one was much more cooperative because I don't want to fucking die. <laughs> but no shit. And by the time uh, her uh, test was near, near its end... Uh, she managed to train these aliens to near perfection. Nice. And she graduated with high marks until she eventually became a commander. Nice. And, let's see. Um, Severus Tan was also uh, interestingly present during the Battle of Geonosis itself. And she was kind of responsible for clearing the way to for a Count Dooku's uh, escape from the Republic and everything. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of like you generally like a, a so you know that chase scene where Dooku's on his little bike and he's being chased by a gunship. Yeah, like there were in his path there were like numerous Republic forces that were about to ambush his ass, mm -hmm. and she just annihilates all of those uh, ambush forces. Nice. And then she got off of world, and uh, she led a campaign against the Republic in its early months in the Clone Wars by utilizing a new type of super weapon that the Republic was testing, called the Decimator. Of course. Uh, just an entire side thing, which is really interesting. And it's part of a plot of a, uh, a strategy game or something like that. Okay, interesting. A very old strategy game. Like, it's a tie-in to the, uh, the uh, Attack of the Clones movie. Oh, wow. It is. Um, yeah, I don't know too much about it, but, you know, information is very interesting. And she actually came so close to threatening the stability of the Republic itself by invading this world called Serapin. Which is basically, think of it as like a uh, manufacturing plant that provides power to much of the core worlds, including Coruscant itself. And that planet, she invaded that world, and basically 80% of the core's uh, power just was just cut off. Oh, wow. Okay. And through her accomplishments, she was considered the CIS's most valuable asset, with even her successor, General Grievous, barely holding the same level of importance as her. 
Why the fuck was she never mentioned in canon? Though unfortunately her strings of success wouldn't last long as one of her rivals within Republic would counterattack and end her friend once and for all. Ugh. But yeah, she gets murdered in like the second month of the Clone Wars, I believe. Damn. Yeah. She's a uh, interesting character. I've heard theories that of uh, that Frona kind of recruited her and sent her in as a uh, agent for Sidious to kind of um speed the war along, make it much more urgent than it already is. Sounds like it. Yeah, but That's a good theory. She, it is a very good theory, but she served her purpose. She is pretty interesting. She's also a force sensitive uh, acolyte, obviously. Also kind of impressive that a force sensitive was able to reach such a high rank within the chiss. Oh yeah. But anyway, semantics. Um, then there is a, another notable example with this high-ranking chess named Arliana, who has the core name of Ziara. She is a high-ranking... I'll actually send you a picture of her, too, because her design looks really cool in the new canon. Uh, oh, where the fuck are you? There you are. Yeah, she's probably, like, uh, one of Fron's closest friends. Okay. Yeah. And she is like serves as his superior. Um, she's a high, as I said, mentioned before, she's a high ranking admiral within the uh, expansionary defense force. Um, and like most chiss, she saw her race as the only worthy species in the galaxy, seeing all of her races as beneath them. But after a chance encounter with another unknown region's uh, species, she began to see other non chiss as. As a, she started to humanize them more. She did no longer saw them as animals. Okay. So, kind of a, uh, not too much on her, but I think she's a neat little addition. Yeah. Um, then there's Baradoc. Uh, he's kind of a minor chiz, but kind of a semi-interesting one because he's so unchiss-like. Um, so, Baradoc serves as a bartender. Okay. So, I send you a picture of him. Um, Barataga is a Chiz bartender working out of Barak's bar on Narshida, which, as you recall from Sutor, is like the moon of Narshida. Yep. Uh, now Hutta, not Narshida. Yeah, Narshida is the moon of Hutta. Yeah. And he picked up a nickname of Red Eyes for, obviously, his Red no Eyes. No shit. <laughs> and, um, imagine him as, like, your, your stereotypical foreigner. He's still struggling to understand and speak basic. Um, and very unchiss-like, he's kind of a coward. Wow. Yeah, like, uh, there's this Jedi Knight named Kyle Katarn who came to him for information. And a couple, he ordered a couple of thugs to take down the Jedi Knight, easily deals with him. And at Saber Point, he's like, okay, okay, I'll give you the information you need. Just don't kill me. <laughs> very unchiss-like. Oh, yeah. But it's... Considering this is the chiz we're talking about, it's probably an act. I don't know, but... I wouldn't put it past the chiz. I wouldn't, but it's pretty interesting to I mean, think he about. he looks relatively middle-aged, so... Yeah. yeah. What yeah. was his name again? Um, his name is... Where was it? Uh, Baradak. Uh, B-A-L-D-A-R-E-K. Just a quick interjection here. Um, our D&D group came earlier than expected near the end of this recording. But uh, yeah, our former co-host Kit is here now. Wait a minute, I, I can't wait a minute. I'm a, I'm a fucking... <laughs> <laughs> I'm fucking shit, I'm back. Some bitches, I'm fucking back. 
I'm an ex-co-host. Anyway, um, where where the fuck was I? Okay, just characters. Um. Oh yeah, we're talking about blue people. Blue <laughs> skin babes. She thick. She fucking thick. <laughs> got the Riz? Well, I showed a couple of pictures to Hannah, but uh. You got the Riz? No Riz? No, <laughs> no Riz. Riz. No the Riz. No Riz. Goddamn it, no Riz. Okay, um. Oh, I, that's Riz. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I do appreciate you. Wanted to join in, but don't worry, it won't take long, kid. Okay, go ahead. Okay, okay. So, and another interesting Chiz character is this uh, mercenary named by the simple name of Spiker. Okay. Um, I'll send you a picture of him, but. He's like the edgiest looking fucking chiz I've ever seen in my goddamn life. Um, he's got the... This guy literally looks like he goes to Hot Topic. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> he looks like Nightcrawler if Nightcrawler had a bad cyberpunk day. He looks like a crackhead Lobo. Yep, yep, he does. <laughs> anyway, um, so... <laughs> Spiker is... As I mentioned before, he's a Chiss mercenary. He's a member of his swoop by gang, uh, and he secretly works for Job of a Hut. Uh, his heritage is a mystery even to himself, but ironically enough, he is employed by Jabba as a spy to keep tabs on the swoop by that he's a part of. Um, he earned his nickname from the spiked armor, as you can obviously see from the pictures. Um, he gives off his aura of his dim-witted thug, and his bike gang believe that he may have a learning disability of some kind, or he simply hit his head too hard. But, as with all Chiz, it's basically an act. He's just pretending to be this dim-witted thug. He's a damn good actor, then. He's still got the motherfucking hair and spiky armor, though. He literally goes to Hot Topic. Yep. Yeah, the blue skin, uh, an entire race of smart blue skins. Basically. Yeah. And then uh, you you know Das Ranos, the Jedi Master from Sator, right? Yep. The one with uh, two cross-bladed lightsabers and everything. Those are so cool. They are very cool. She's one of the few Jedi Chiss characters in the entirety of a Star Wars canon. Yeah. Um, much like Thrawn himself, she saw the Jedi Council as very restrictive and traditionalist. And she outright left the Jedi Order to follow her own path, following the will of the Force. All based. Ultra based. <laughs> Sigma based. That's, that's, dude, that's too fucking based. Alright, if I'm going to wrap this up quickly, I'm going to show you a couple of other uh, weird Chiss characters. Um... There's this Chiz Bounty Hunter. Let me send over another picture of him real quickly. Uh, he goes by the name of Chertilov. He's a... <laughs> that, that chin! That chin! God damn! Cut diamonds! He literally looks like he's auditioning for a new wave band. That or he looks like a Marvel superhero. Yeah, he does. Um, he's just a bounty hunter. That just works alongside Asajj Ventress and everything. Um, you got that lights can stare. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's his other minor character named Driv. He's uh, a uh, basically a sergeant within the uh, Imperial military. And he's also a five-time winner of a hot dog eating contest. No wonder. We went from he is <laughs> thick. We went, he is thick. We went from light skin stare to ugh. <laughs> <laughs> 
It's the body type three from Svator. Oh, God. Dude is a chunk. He is chunk. Well, anyway, um, and the final two I don't have images for. They they just stand out because of their fucking names. One is a chiz pirate named Swag. (laughs) (laughs) With two G's. (laughs) And the final one is Scott. What? A chiz named Scott. Scott Stern! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just a uh, Chiz that has the most normal fucking name in all of Star Wars. Is he a Scott! Is he a normal character? No, um, he's just a uh, medical officer that heals your wounds and whatever. Okay. He, he's not that significant. Scott Sterling! Scott! When you have names like Mephren Nirodu, Scott is the most normal name you could come up with. Yep. Well, anyway, um, so that's the Chiz. They're very secretive. I always like to see them as the secret agents of Star Wars, and you could probably understand why that is the case. Yep. Look at their fucking round, full red eyes and tell me <laughs> that they're not some form of fucking spy. So, yeah, um, nice little drop-in by Kit. So that is our episode of Can Mayonnaise Kill a Jedi? Or in this case, how complex can the Chiz get? Ain't that the fucking <laughs> truth? Does the Chiss have Riz? Yes. That can stare and the Riz. But anyway, um, so if I'm going to wrap this up, uh, do you want to know what our next episode is, Hannah? What is it? Uh, let me know, too. Let me know, too. Okay, well, you'll be hearing it. Um, so for the longest time, we have been focusing on nothing but antagonists and villainous characters. So Because the antagonists are cool. Yeah, they are very cool. But it is time to even it out. For our next episode, we will be diving into a very popular um, protagonist character, and that is Master Plo Koon. Oh, fuck! I'll do it for this one. 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 So, yeah, nice little uh, cameo by Kit. Glad to have you back for a little bit. Um, I'll Crab Daddy. By the way, may the force be with you. Have a good rest of your day. Bye. Bye-bye. Maybe you don't enjoy the episodes, but I'll enjoy it.